Welcome back to CrimeFiction.fm, where we bring the authors of today's best mysteries, thrillers, and suspense novels directly to you. I'm your host, Stephen Campbell, and I'm here with Alan J. Emerson, the author of the Honeymoon Falls mystery series, the first of which, Death of a Bride and Groom, was released in May. Alan, welcome. Thank you. It's good to be here. Tell us a little bit about this fictional town that you've created for the series, Honeymoon Falls. It's, uh, it sounds a little bit like Niagara Falls, but it's not because it's on the other side of North America. That's true, it is. What's happened is that in this little town, the major employer, uh, a shingle mill, has gone bankrupt. And the townspeople figure they've got to do something to save the town and their livelihood. So they have a little waterfall. It's nothing like Niagara Falls, of course. But they also have some beautiful forests and mountains. And somebody there gets the idea that, uh, well, we could start a honeymoon resort uh, destination. And so they do, but they kind of tip over the top a little bit. Uh, they rename the uh, street Lover's Lane. They hold <laughs> a true romance dance every night in the park. And the big kickoff for uh, the honeymoon season is the Honeymoon Days Parade, uh, complete with a giant wedding cake parade float. And uh, the problem is that when the book begins, someone has replaced the, the life-size mannequins that normally top the float with the dead bodies of two other people, which uh, uh, creates a bit of a, an uproar in the town and uh, causes a problem for the police chief, Will Halsey. And gives us a reason to keep reading, <laughs> because <laughs> we've got a murder to solve. <laughs> That's right. I hope so. Anyway, <laughs> so you've you've got in Honeymoon Falls. There's a a very small police force, uh, as you mentioned, headed by uh, Captain Will Halsey, right. and it, there, there's a lot of interpersonal dynamics that go in in this book. Relationships, uh, not only between people in the police force, uh, some some conflict there. There's a lot of conflict between some of the town members, people on the council. Uh, you, there's no shortage of conflict in this book. It's true. It's it's funny because in small towns where I was born and I've, I've lived a lot of my life in them, uh, they may seem like they're placid little pools where nothing much ever happens, but beneath the surface there's a lot going on. And that's what's happening in Honeymoon Falls. There are uh, some ancient rivalries. There are some uh, really nasty uh, inter interplay or, or feuds between uh, characters. And then there's just kind of the long-standing uh, disagreements that are uh, sort of like a tradition uh, between the people involved. And But all of this makes it quite a bit more difficult for the um, police chief to get information and to figure out who might be the killer. And of course, the other problem being is that uh, almost everybody in town hated the two people who were murdered, and for pretty good reasons. All right, this is, would you describe this as a cozy mystery? Um, it has elements of that. I, mm -hmm. I call it a small town mystery. Okay. With, with, it, it overlaps a bit with cozy in the small town, the quirky characters, there's no gore. 
but there are differences too. The the sleuth is male. Mm-hmm. There's a little sex, mm-hmm. nothing too kinky, but uh, people do get frisky, and <laughs> the humor is fairly dry. I, I was going to say it I, when I first read it, I assumed it was a cozy, and I'm like. I'm not sure you can do this in a cozy. You're going to get a little bit of pushback. So I was curious as, as to how you categorized it. Uh, th- there is um, a little sex in there. There's some uh, for a town named Honeymoon Falls. There's a there seems to be a great deal of infidelity going on, and it just it, it's an interesting combination of characters and storyline that that's kind of unique. So it's a very enjoyable book, and and as you said, a lot of dry humor. Yeah, I started out, I, I didn't really know what a cozy was when I started writing uh, the story. To me, it was just a story that I had to tell. And uh, then I began, after the book was published, um, and the publisher uh, categorized it as a cozy, because small town mystery, mm-hmm. I guess, is not a term that's used in the publishing industry. <laughs> but, um, you know, when I realized, oh, you know, a lot of cozy readers don't want any sex in their book. Uh, then I, I thought, oh, okay, I'd better make this clear so nobody gets taken by surprise uh, about what sort of book it is. Now, the other problem with talking about sex at all in a book is that I'm sure some people are now thinking, oh, God, this is another Fifty Shades or something like that. <laughs> far from but it. <laughs> yeah, exactly, far from it. There's a little bit of nudity, and there are some people who don't particularly worry about uh, their marriage vows or whatever. Uh, But there's also a a romance between uh, the police chief and a gorgeous redhead, and it's a pretty straightforward uh, type of uh, relationship. Now, one of the things I've noticed, I, I went to your Amazon page, and I was reading some of the reviews and some of the blurbs that were done. For your book, and a few of them are are from some pretty big name cozy authors. So, and, and I think you mentioned them in some of those in, in acknowledgments as well. What's the story behind that? Uh, well, when I started out, uh, you know, as a complete newbie to uh, to publishing, my publisher said, "Well, you you should get some uh, other well known people." Mm-hmm. Uh, to read the book and and offer comments on it. Now, I had one problem there. I I didn't know any well-known people. Uh, So I wrote to uh, a few authors that I thought wrote somewhat similar types of stories and asked them would they consider reading the story and giving me a a blurb. And and, um, these several did, which was an enormous favor for a busy writer to do for a complete unknown. Uh, You know, they uh, are busy doing, in some cases, producing a couple of novels a year, Mm -hmm. and they took time out to read this book from somebody they'd never heard of, and uh, fortunately, they liked it, and uh, were very generous with uh, offering praise, and in fact... Some have said they'd be happy to read the next in the series. So that, that was a, a, a lot of encouragement. And they also, some of them also uh, gave me advice, uh, not so much on the story, but on publishing and how it works. Mm-hmm. And of course, we know that publishing is changing 
uh, all the time so that what you heard 30 seconds ago, it seems <laughs> no longer applies. <laughs> That's well put. <laughs> and it is, it, it's an interesting dynamic that I think a lot of readers might not understand the willingness of big name authors to help out in situations like this because everybody started at some point. That's true. I, I was quite surprised. And I, I must say, I felt uh, a little bit, uh, uh, oh, I don't know, as if I were intruding on them by even asking them. But, uh, and there were a few who couldn't do it, and mm-hmm. of course not, or who chose not to, and, and why not. Um, but I was quite surprised that uh, how the warmth of the reception that I got from a number of writers who have been in the business for quite a long time and who really do know what's going on, uh, both what's happened in the past and and are current with what's happening now. So that was really helpful to me. Yeah, some of the names, of, uh, and I won't mention that anyone can go to Amazon and can see these, but some of the names on that list have published dozens and dozens and dozens of books. They have. I, I mean, I'm looking at this. This is my first book, and it was a lot of work, and it took me a couple of years to write. And, I, and some of the, these writers have published 20 or more books. Mm-hmm. And I think, my God, how did they ever do that? And I guess the answer is they worked, uh, you know, 12-hour days, <laughs> six or seven days a week. I mean, it, you know, it was like sweating it out in a coal mine, I guess. <laughs> Uh, I'm much lazier, but I've realized that, uh, and I, I don't ever have any hope of uh, matching their production because I'm a much slower writer, I think. Although perhaps uh, the more you do it, the the more you do most things, the better you get at it. Right. And it may be that uh, the more I write, the, the faster I'll be able to write. But I'm not really interested in how quickly I can turn out books as much as I am in telling a story and staying true to the characters and the situ- the the town that I've created and mm-hmm. so on. All right, in this group of characters, was there one that just kind of grabbed you and and took on a larger role in the story that than maybe you had planned for them? Um yes, there was. Uh it was um uh, I'm an English actress who's 95. <laughs> I thought it might be her. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, she's 95. She's played everywhere in the world. She's made films in on, in Europe, and she uh, has uh, be. Uh, she's a distinguished stage actress, and she is now uh, considering. Uh, there's a there's a French director who's trying to persuade her to appear in one of his avant-garde uh, films. And he wants her to do a nude scene, which uh, her sister, of course, is aghast at the idea that she's even considering it. And she was a lot of fun to write because she had, well, first of all, she has this long history with so many things in it that you could talk about. Mm -hmm. And secondly, because she just doesn't care what anybody thinks anymore. So I could really be as free as I liked with creating situations for her. And I, I like the fact that she's no fool, she's smart, she's talented, and uh, she's got a devilish sense of humor. 
And she, it, it, as you said, is willing to try anything, and that, that really comes through. She was one of the characters that just sort of jumped off the page at me, and I was curious as to whether or not um, you had planned it that way or she kind of grabbed hold of you as well. I'm glad to hear that she did. Um, you published a short story in Ellery Queen magazine at the end of last year called Judgment Day. I did. Uh, this Judgment Day, from what I understand, is something dramatically different than uh, Death of a Bride and Groom. It is. Uh, Judgment Day is about uh, a character who is walking along a lonely road at night. It may be winter, and it may be a dream, it's hard to say, and gets offered a ride by a character in this very big black car. And, of course, he, he knows this isn't wise, but he gets in anyway. And on the way, on the ride, the driver begins to tell him uh, about his past life. He's, he's been in a mental institution for years. Uh, he talks about his family, his siblings, uh, his rivalry with his uh, brother, whom he hates. And all the while, they are moving towards um, an unknown destination. And uh, when they arrive at the destination, the person who's been picked up has to make a decision. And it's not going to be an easy one. And I can't say too much more about it without, uh, you know, including a spoiler. I I find it curious that you would write something like that. And I guess it just... Is is this the way you write? You just have dramatically different interests because the the small town mystery is one thing, and it's it's we won't call it a cozy, but it it has a lot of cozy elements. And the short story is is completely different. Is is was that were you writing the two at the same time, or how did that all come together? No, I wasn't writing the two at the same time. I'd written the short story, um, I think, before I started the novel. Okay. Uh, the the short story is is not uh, like the novel at all, as you've pointed out. Uh, it's a very intense story and very dramatic, and I think that it's it would be quite difficult to sustain that level of intensity over the course of a novel. Mm-hmm. I mean, some some novelists can do this, but um, for a first book, I wanted to do something where I had a little bit more room to stretch out and talk about the characters and have a little bit of fun. And that's what I've done with uh, Death of a Bride and Groom. But I would like to write some more uh, stories like that, uh, like Judgment Day. And uh, in fact, I'm, I'm working on some now and we'll see how that goes. One last question and then I'll let you go. Um, it, there's a lot, as you mentioned, dry humor. There's a lot of dry, subtle humor in the book. Is that something that just flowed naturally when you were writing, or is it something that uh, evolved over the course of multiple drafts of the book? Um, I think it evolved naturally. That's, that is my sense of humor. I, have a, uh, I like humor that arises from a situation uh, rather than the sort of joke, punchline, joke, punchline type of humor. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you've ever been in one of those situations where you start wondering, how in God's name did I ever get into this? And you're kind of laughing at finding yourself in such a ridiculous position, which just seems to have happened. 
uh, that's the kind of thing that makes me laugh. And so a lot of these characters, that's what happens to they them. Do they do find themselves in situations like that, don't they? They do. <laughs> Well, Alan, what's the best way for people to keep up with you? Because I'm, I'm assuming there's more coming in this series. So what's the best way for people to keep up with your work? Well, uh, you can uh, check out my Facebook page, Alan J. Emerson. And I also, of course, have a website, uh, www.allen, and I'll spell Alan. It's A-L-L-A-N-J-Emerson.com. And so you can see what I'm up to there and uh, visit my blog and uh, feel free to uh, comment. Um, I, try to <laughs> I try to post something every Tuesday. Uh, and uh, so far I've managed to make it, but then it's only been five times. So. <laughs> <laughs> I did see on your blog where you, you sort of made a, a quasi-commitment <laughs> to posting on Tuesdays, um, and, and so far you've hit it. You're right. So, uh, yes, that, and, and some interesting stuff there. So I would encourage people to go there, and I will link to both your Facebook page and your website in the show notes. So if you're out there driving around, you don't have to memorize anything. You can just check it out in the show notes. Alan, thanks so much. It's been fun chatting with you today. Thank you for having me, Stephen. This is Stephen Campbell for CrimeFiction.fm. You can find us on iTunes and on the web at www.CrimeFiction.fm. If you are an iTunes listener, please subscribe and give us a rating or review. Those will help other crime fiction readers find great new books like Death of a Bride and Groom from Alan J. Emerson. Thanks for listening.